0: Hi, this is Matt Cardinal, host of Game On, and this is Our Future is Missing. Please be on the lookout for 37-year-old Watson Jones. He is considered a lost, injured, and missing male who disappeared from St. Petersburg, Florida, December 5, 1991. His height is 5'8", he weighs 145 pounds, he has brown eyes, black hair, and he is biracial. He's African-American and Caucasian. Watson has a scar on the left side of his face and walks with a limp. If you know of watson Jones's whereabouts, please contact the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children's Hotline at 1-800-THE-LOST. The The actual number for that is uh, 1-800-843-5678. To see a picture of Watson, please click on the link on the Voice America homepage, Our Future is Missing, or go to ourfutureismissing.com.
1: Thank you. This is voiceamericakids.com. It's time for Speaking of Sports, your weekly look inside at the stats, scores, opinions, and facts from a kid's point of view. You can't miss one moment of the action going on in the next hour. Now, here's your host.
0: Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids... I'm Jason Chessler and today we have a very special show with a very special guest. Uh NFL alumni, 10 year NFL veteran. We have Kwame Lasseter joining us. Played eight years with the Arizona Cardinals uh, before finishing things up with a year each in San Diego and St. Louis. Uh thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Jason, wow, man, you, you sound like this is for you. This is your thing right here. Hey, it's a pleasure, man. I, I've been I've been wanting to get on the Kids Network Kids show um, and I say kids, but you know you you guys do a great job over here, and I've been wanting to go. So anytime.
0: Thank you. I've been working hard on it, uh, it trying to make it. It, it my sounds thing. good. Thank you. Well, I think we have probably gonna just jump right into things uh, with the NFL. You know, the NFL season finally getting going after what seemed like an incredibly long lockout, even though they didn't really miss any games. Um, right. uh So the NFL season is always big news. Uh, in the news right now is, of course, the rule changes, uh, the ever changing set of rules in the NFL. And I guess this is kind of a two part question for you here. Um, we've seen a lot of rule changes, especially since you've retired, mm-hmm. um, both. Uh, rule changes, some focus more on protecting the players and some definitely kind of tilting towards the offense. Uh, just in general, what are your thoughts on those? How do you feel, uh, how necessary do you feel these rules are? And just in general, what are your thoughts on these rule changes?
2: Well, I'm with the NFL alumni, the Arizona chapter, but I do a lot of things with the alumni guys. And some of those rules changes, and I'm for these guys' health. Health uh, becomes first, but then they take so much away from the game. There's a Tom Brady rule that I definitely don't agree with, uh, but that, that's a rule change. Uh, the rule changes where you can't touch the receivers. That's, that was changed years ago. But anything that changed in football is definitely for the offense benefits because you got to look at it this way. Football is to generate money. So if the offense can put up high numbers, then you want to see that excitement in the stadium. Uh, but I'm, I'm not a huge fan, really, for some of those rule changes. I tell you, during that lockout, it messed up a lot of things with these guys having the continuity to going out there to be with their teammates. And that's why you see a lot of guys hurt. And it wasn't from the rule changes. It was from the CBA that we had. Uh, guys couldn't be on their football fields with their football team. Uh, and I think the rule changes, they personally, for those who create them.
0: Right, and even in addition to guys getting hurt on the field, we have a good example in Peyton Manning, a guy who couldn't get in with his trainers and is probably missing more time because of it. Uh, so one of the lasting effects of the lockout. Um, now, one of the reasons we often hear about some of these rule changes for player safety is that these days we hear that a lot of people are actually just flat-out tackling wrong in the NFL. We hear about a lot of guys uh, such as James Harrison or um, are using kind of using, uh, using their helmets and their heads kind of as battering rams when tackling, you know, leading with their heads, um, do you, have you seen a big change in that over these past few years?
2: I haven't, because footballers read and react, especially from a defense standpoint. Uh, and the equipment, the helmets, the shoulder pads—that is for your protection, not to be used as a weapon. Uh, I know when I was playing with the San Diego Chargers, and I came back and we played against the Arizona Cardinals, and I got fined seventy five hundred dollars for hitting someone. It wasn't—it uh, wasn't anything that I was trying to hurt the guy, because that was my workout partner the whole off season. Unfortunately, he saw me come and duck his head, and we end up hitting helmet to helmet and then uh like like you stated earlier, the rules are designed for the officer guy to protect them and I'm for that but when when I'm zoomed in on your chest and you see me and you duck your head, now I'm the one that's getting fine uh James, guys like James Harris play as aggressive style and and what you will see at the end of the year is the n f l promoting that style, promoting those big hits and unfortunately I don't think you can have it both ways. You can't promote the big hit and then tell these guys not to do it. He was fined $100,000 $100, uh, last season.
0: Right, and even uh, on the offensive end, we see a lot of running backs leading with their heads, and that really kind of goes unnoticed. I don't
2: understand that. I don't understand. If, we, if it's fourth and one and we're on the one-yard line, the first thing the running back do is lead with his head to get over the uh, goal line, and you can't do that. So it, it has to work both ways. If the rules are the rules, that's fine. I, I, I play by the rules. But they can't be one-sided.
0: Right. Uh, So you mentioned the Brady rule, uh, which is, of course, no tackling, uh, the problem with tackling quarterbacks below the knee. Uh, You mentioned that as a specific rule you disagree with. Do you have any other thoughts on any specific rules, any you're in favor of or any you're opposed to?
2: Well, it will be one that I just stated as far as most defensive backs. There were some big hits last week. You might have seen them and noticed those guys. Most defensive back are reading and reacting. You come across the middle and they see you. Sometimes they see you at the last second. Uh, and I know there was a hit, Deshaun, uh, that plays for the Atlanta Falcons, hit uh, Macklin for the Philadelphia Eagles, and he's got fined before doing the same thing, uh, 50,000 last year, 40,000 this year. But the guy was reacting to the play, and it was not intentional because it looked like he was protecting himself as well, aiming, heading for the guy's chest, the receiver's chest. Unfortunately, he ducked his head and hit helmet. So it's because he did it before, and it's now a, a 40,000 fine for your second offense. Uh, The Brady rule is complete nonsense to me. You can't get Tom Brady hurt because who is the NFL going to market? Peyton Manning's not in. Look at uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Why would you want to market him when he's been in trouble off the field so many times? But Brady, if you're on your knees, you can't make an aggressive move to try to get Brady down. That's not football at all. Football is eventually going to go to flag football in the secondary against the defensive backs and the receivers.
0: Uh, Do you see guys, do you think guys have changed their playing style at all on the defensive end, adjusting to these rules?
2: I I do see that, and a lot of guys are conscious of uh, how they hit now at the same time. If you're out there thinking about how to hit this guy and not just hitting this guy, then a lot of times these defensive backs are getting hurt. A lot of times offenses are scoring because they don't want to touch them because incidents like James Harrison, who got fined $100,000 last year, eventually that that weighs on other players' minds. It weighs on them. It's like, I don't want to give up $100,000 for playing the game how I was taught. There's another thing you mentioned about these hitting and these guys using their helmets. Football is not being taught the right way, and I think they it, it should be teaching this in Pop Warner on their way to recreationally high school and college. When you get to the pros, you should know how to tackle and make aggressive moves without using your helmet and shoulder pads as a weapon vice versa on offense.
0: So as for guys being taught that right way, uh, obviously in addition to being an NFL rules expert, you were certainly a very good cornerback uh, in your day. Uh, who are some guys, you know, at cornerback or really just anywhere on the field, who you really see out there, who you know you like, who you feel are kind of playing the game the right way right now?
2: Oh, that's a lot of guys out there. Um, I still like with the uh, DRC. You know, I say DRC because he doesn't tackle, so he's not, he's never going to be <laughs> in the contact. Uh, but I like what the Osamu uh, is doing, who was in Oakland, who's now with the Philadelphia Eagles. Those type of guys that play the right way. Charles Wilson, who's in Green Bay, still playing. I like what those that entire secondary is doing over there. They play it with aggressive style, but it's not a dirty way. It's not in a dirty manner.
0: Uh, of course, that you talked about uh Di the big-time cornerback, signed with the Eagles this offseason. A lot of debates going on these past few years around the NFL. You have Osama and then you have Darrell Revis of the New York Jets. Uh, as, a, as a shutdown cornerback yourself, who do you like in that uh, competition, that debate?
2: You know what? It depends on what defensive scheme I'm running. If I run a cover two, then I like Darrell Revis because he can play – he can play well for about a good 15 yards and hold on to you. Have you seen an incident last year where Randy Moss went right by him and they they called him a that shut down corner? Those things don't happen in shut down corners in one man on man coverage when you're out there on that island by yourself. Uh, as far as Osamur, he's a he's a guy that I in a scheme that I can lock him up. He's more so of Vanilius Williams. He's not a Williams, but he can get to that point. He's more so. I can lock you up on this side of the field, and then we can play a certain coverage. So it's all based on scheme. Both of those guys are great corners in this league and, and doing the right thing defensively defense help their team win football games.
0: Right. That's definitely something we talk about. We hear about a lot in that debate is we hear about how Asimov only plays one side of the field, uh, but what we don't hear a lot is your point. Of course, that makes it a big-time issue with schemes. <laughs> Uh, Of course, you mentioned Randy Moss. Uh, Of course, he's a guy who's been kind of bouncing around the NFL a lot recently. He's retired. He's not retired. Uh, Your thoughts, do you think that a guy like Randy Moss, who's been out of football for part of a year at this point, how hard is it to kind of jump back in midway through a season like that?
2: Well, it's on. he's not, it wouldn't be too difficult with Randy Moss because last year he played. I'm sure he was still working out uh, contract-wise, team-wise. It just didn't fit well with him. But that guy still has a passion to play football, and he's, one of the, he's a future Hall of Fame. He's a future Hall of Famer, Randy Moss is. So the passion he still has will get, some, get him right back in there. And you talk about guys like Randy Moss and Terrell Owens. Uh, there's a different type of breed, but these guys are still competitive. And teams are going to make an effort. If teams want to win. They always look to those guys the same way they did when Brett Favre was out for four or five years and kept coming back, not sure if he's coming. Uh, you look to those guys if you want to win the football games.
0: Right. There's definitely a reason these guys keep on uh, getting offers to come back. Uh, so now we're going to have to take a quick break here. Uh, we'll have more with Kwame Laster coming up after this break. Be sure to keep it right here. You're listening to Speaking of Sports on the Voice America Kids.
3: Stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com.
1: You're tuned in to Speaking of Sports on
0: Voice America Kids. Now, back into the action. Thank you, and welcome back to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. I'm Jason Chessler, and today we have a very special guest joining the show. Uh, we're joined by Kwame Lassiter, a member of the NFL Alumni Association, a 10-year NFL veteran, uh, spent eight years with the Arizona Cardinals, uh, then wrapped things up in San Diego and St. Louis before Colinette quits. Um, we left off, uh, we took a bit of a break. We were talking a little bit about guys like Randy Moss, how they keep on coming back, you know, just when you think they're done. Um, and that just kind of left a lingering question in my <laughs> mind, which is uh, you talked about uh, guys like Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, these really elite guys out there. The guys you're watching out there on the field today, who's the guy you'd least want to cover out there and why?
2: Oh, it's, it's a lot of receivers. I watch, especially I watch these guys this year in the two weeks we've seen uh, professional football Steve Smith is still, he still has, in Carolina, he still has what it takes to do uh, winning performances. Another guy is Larry Fitzgerald. No matter how well you think you have this guy covered, he finds a way to come down with the ball. There's still tons of receivers out there that give you problems and give you a headache, and that's where that preparation throughout the week comes in. And you can can think and put yourself in position all week long to cover a guy like Randy Moss, but he still finds a way to get to the end zone. And you know, you
0: mentioned uh, obviously we are in the middle of the football season. We have seen a couple weeks now to kind of get used to things, see how everybody looks. Uh, we've seen some disappointing play outs some teams like Kansas City, who everybody expected a bit more from, mm-hmm. uh, and then some surprisingly dominant teams like Detroit and Buffalo, who I don't think anybody really expected um, maybe to be two and zero, but also just to look as good as they've looked out there. Uh, who's your kind of who do you think's for real out there? As for some of these teams that you know. Have gotten off to some of these hot starts.
2: Jason, I would say right now it's too early, but you go to those veteran teams. For example, you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers. They were such an emotional coming off the last that last year season, that last season. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens. Then you look what happened to the week later. Pittsburgh Steelers got dominated by the Baltimore Ravens. A week later, they dominate Seattle Seahawks. Baltimore Ravens dominate Pittsburgh. A week later. Tennessee Titans dominate those guys. Uh it's it's all an emotional game and one and one thing about football, uh, in my opinion, I think it exposed everything, all your characteristics about you as a man, as a person. Uh if you're a coward, you can't hide. If you're a coward, it'll show you hiding. Or if you're tough enough or smart enough or quick enough. And I think that's what football does. Surprising teams like the Detroit Lions, remember they don't even have, they don't have Farley on the field yet. He hasn't even stepped on the field yet. The thing about Detroit Lions, they have enough on defense, and I think they've really been building that defense up to be dominant in the NFC North because you got the Green Bay Packers, Chicago Bears, uh, you got the Minnesota Vikings in that in that conference division. Uh, but you got to keep Matthew Stafford on the field. Uh, there's nothing wrong with the the backup quarterback who came in last year and did a pretty good job, but you put you draft Matthew Stafford because he does has everything to take to get that team successful. The Kansas City Chiefs, I, they they're not. Much of a surprise. It's unfortunately lost their best safety. Unfortunately, they lost their best running back, Lamar Charles. Uh, But, you know, through injuries, other guys have to step up. That's why you got a 52-plus man roster. Those guys have to step up. And remember, Oakland Raiders dominated that conference last year.
0: Right. Uh, and you talked a lot about, um, you know, the, we saw the Ravens go out there look dominate against the Steelers and then the emotional letdown that they had against the Titans. Yes. Uh, of course, football is a game of emotions. But how much does something like the lockout kind of affect that or maybe amplify that? Um, do you think they might have been a bit more prepared, uh, a bit more just used to things if they hadn't had hadn't been locked out all off season?
2: Oh, without question. I think uh, these teams couldn't go to their facilities and work out. They couldn't work out. Uh, together a lot of times and that's where you got the oTAs you have the uh the um camps the training camps that these guys hang out and do that that's they're not mandatory, but you better be there so it's uh you know i think that c b a hurts a lot because these guys didn't get that that continuity that camaraderie that they normally have going to the season what the CBA did in my opinion one of the things were um got a lot of guys hurt these guys didn't couldn't get in football shape. Uh, you could talk about football. You could talk that you know the game mentally, but you have to get in that type of shape uh, to play a physical game, fast-reacting game. And we talked off the air about some of the most physical sports. And as a retired guy, I look, I stepped back and I watched some of these games. I'm like, this is a violent, physical game. It, it is a tough game, and I don't know how I, was, how I was able to do it. Unless I think about that, I didn't have time to think. I didn't have time to think that this is physical. Every, after each game, the next game was coming up. So uh, it's just it's just a matter of um, how you approach things and how you want to get it done uh, to protect mentally, I should say.
0: Right. So uh, a lot about the mental aspect of the game, we see that a lot of the quarterback position. Um, and uh, going back once again to your thoughts on the lockout and how it's affected teams, um, we kind of we weren't supposed to see any teams coming in with new quarterbacks and really seeing much success off the bat. Uh, yet we've seen a couple of really good ones show up in Cincinnati and Carolina, especially Andy Dalton uh, and Cam Newton. What is it about those guys that's let them succeed so far? And do you see them kind of continuing to grow in the future?
2: I'll tell you what, Dalton and Cincinnati is a surprise to me. I, I didn't think Cincinnati would. they one and one, could easily be two and two, two and oh, I'm sorry. Uh, but he's a surprise. Uh, without the quarterback situation, the owner and their quarterback uh, going at it and not releasing him. Uh, but Cincinnati, what's keeping these guys successful at this point right now is you can't tell a guy whose past passion has a will or a desire that he can't do this or he can't do that because what he's going to do is go out there and prove it to you, and you can see that in Dalton, the quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. Guys like Cam Newton, well, it's hard for me to bet against this guy because all he's ever done and all I've ever seen from him was winning. He won in junior college. You can't compare junior college to the uh, NCAA. He won at the uh, University of Auburn. You can't compare that to the NFL. He's successful up to this point. I'm not going to – give this guy a Super Bowl ring right now because there's a lot of football that he has to play, a lot of things he has to learn. Right now he's out there, but this guy, it, these guys are successful, and you like to see them do that. Uh, so the CBA uh, didn't give these guys time to think, so they're just out there playing off natural, raw ability. So
0: uh, you talked about a couple of guys there who have had some bizarre cases kind of with management throughout their careers. Uh, Cam Newton, obviously, with some of the incidences at Auburn. And then uh, Carson Palmer, you mentioned, as uh, you know feuding with the ownership in Cincinnati and allegedly retired. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you give us a little bit of insight maybe as to what exactly kind of those player ownership or player GM negotiations and dealings kind of are?
2: Oh, it's tough. I think um, it messes up the game of football. I think in its business you have when you when you incorporate money into it it messes it up if you don't if you do not approach it the right way. If a, you and I built building a company and someone gave us a million dollars, we right now are thinking about what we going to do, what we can do. Instead of us first initially building our company up, then taking that million dollars and doing the right thing with it. I think um negotiation contract negotiations between organizations and players is it can get messy sometimes unless you Peyton Manning, unless you're Tom Brady, unless you're those type guys. There's a lot of guys that played six, ten, six to ten years in the National Football League, and all they did was run on special teams. And then it's a guy coming out of college for his first year, he gets $60 million. I'm not a huge fan of that, and that's what the CBA kind of kind of worked out, a rookie salary cap. Uh, but the negotiators could be terrible. It can mess up the camaraderie of your team. It can make mess up that chemistry that you have, uh, quarterback, to s- offense, relationship, Uh, But I think there should be a situation where if you're a businessman, you don't care about winning. If you're a football fan, you're going to get all the right players there and your team will win. Businessmen, think about how much I'm going to make off this profit at the end of the year.
0: Uh, So you think uh, we talked a bit off the air and then you touched on it a bit earlier about how, you know, football, when guys are out there, they're not really thinking. They're just playing on instinct, letting the game slow itself down. Do you think having things like contract negotiations pending or any of that kind of off the field stuff, uh, does that get the players on the field? Does that kind of interfere with their ability to just focus on the game?
2: I'm sure it does, but it shouldn't. When football season here, you should be thinking about football. That contract negotiation, those things, your endorsements, that should be done on the off season. That should be done on. I will even give you your bye week to even take care of your business. But when it's football season, everything should be taken care of where you can go out there and play fast, play with some passion, play with some desire, and do your job. I blame a lot of this on um uh, on owners. There's guys who. Uh, who we saw, Chris Johnson in Tennessee. You know, you tell me that guy didn't deserve a contract. He goes out there, missed the entire camp, goes out there and probably has 53 yards off of 24 carries. Now, we've seen Chris Johnson have 24 carries, and probably 150 yards. So now the fans mm-hmm. are boom, and rightfully so, because the fans put help pay these guys' salary. But you remember he didn't go through camp, and he's still coming in here. He's willing to sacrifice a year of his uh, football career uh, that he didn't show up to camp. So now he's four-year veteran instead of a five-year veteran. He's a three-year veteran instead of a four-year veteran. A lot of guys make sacrifices, but I don't think the ownerships uh, make enough sacrifices.
0: Uh, right, and you talked about you talked about camp there, guys going through training camp. Uh, what exactly, how exactly does that? Uh, obviously, getting into football shape, something you touched on earlier. Uh, but what else? What else are the benefits that we see from training camp and mini camp, OTAs, that kind of thing?
2: The benefit of camp, uh, for example, like the Arizona Cardinals go up to Flagstaff. The benefit of that thing is to to come together and get away from all the distractions and work on the things that you're going to carry into your football season. Different schemes, different blitz packages. Uh, who's going to be your starters. The benefit is to get these guys together, build some type of camaraderie, find out who's the guy or what this guy is and what he's going to do for you, as well as coaches. Coaches got to find out what can we call with this team on the field
0: football definitely the ultimate team sport makes a lot of sense that they need that kind of camaraderie out there uh now we're gonna once again take a quick break here Uh, i'm jason Chessler. joining me is Kwame laster be sure to keep it here you're listening to speaking of sports on voice america kids
3: And just when you think you have them under control, that's when things get, well, crazy. For help, tune in to Paul's Around the World. You'll get the inside secrets on keeping your pet the friend it's supposed to be, along with stories to keep you warm and fuzzy. Listen Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Kids.
1: You're tuned in to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. Now, back into the action.
0: Thank you, and welcome back to Speaking of Sports. I'm Jason Chessler, and joining us today is a very special guest, a 10-year NFL veteran, Kwame Lasseter, member of the NFL Alumni Association. Uh, we've talked a bit about you know some of the stuff with the off season, the shortened off seasons, lack of OTAs type things um, but right now let's kind of try and get into the more personal aspect of football uh, some of your great moments, your great runs and also just kind of what it's like being out there on the field during these games um, We were talking a bit during the break about weather advantage, home field advantage type things and what brought it up is the uh, the Dolphins actually opened with two games at home this year um, which we heard some complaints about. Some people upset the teams had to go and play in the heat and the hottest this part of the year, um, you played for the Cardinals, another team, you know, with big time weather effects like that. What are your thoughts on home field advantage and weather and those types of things?
2: I know there are teams are all over this country. Uh, if, if I can go play in Chicago around Christmas time, if I can go play in Green Bay January first, uh, then you should be able to come to Arizona. You should be able to go to Miami and endure that uh, humid- humidity. You should be able to come to Arizona and take this sun. Now, we practicing in this sun the whole time. So what? why would we be at a disadvantage uh, as the Arizona Cardinals team that I'm speaking of? Why would we put ourselves at a disadvantage and go on a road and play three games? Our first four games, three of those are probably on the road. So we need to bring those teams here while it's hot and humid, where we practice um, all the whole entire time. The, uh, another thing is don't put us in our dark jerseys. You know, you bring it I said you bring a a Oakland Raiders team in here which you always do in preseason then you put them in their black jerseys and let's win the game in third quarter even if it's a tough game let's find a way to win find uh, keep our advantage that we have in wearing our white jerseys and playing in the playing in the sun and bringing these guys in the sun with dark jerseys
0: and, you know, it talks about the Raiders. They're certainly a team known for a bit more of another type of home field advantage. Uh, Oakland's certainly a pretty wild stadium and there. A lot of crazy fans out in Oakland, uh, Raider fans especially.
2: Inside uh, and out of the stadium. Exactly.
0: <laughs> um, so where, what are some of the most uh, kind of iconic, the toughest stadiums to play in as a road player?
2: I, I would say some of the toughest stadium. It's usually those teams win because their crowd show up regardless. But Kansas City Chiefs uh, have some of the most loyal fans. And, and you're thinking about – they play in below-weather temperatures, and they're still out there. Uh, you got another, t- you, the Raiders fans, you can, put, you can throw those guys in the category, New York, the uh, Giants, the uh, New York Giants, and Philadelphia, but I will say Kansas City is a tough place to play a football game. I don't care what the weather is, what the uh, comfortability is that you have as a team, you're walking in there, it's tough.
0: You really don't hear a lot about uh, Kansas City as yeah. being one of those tough places to play.
2: Well, you know, their fans know when to cheer. Uh, and it, it's starting to get... Since the Cardinals made this run to the Super Bowl a few years back, we started getting some more educated fans in the stadium, and, and I, even more so some more loyal fans. I still argue with people about being living in Arizona and, and being Dallas Cowboys fans. Uh, and I, I really got a problem with that because you'll come to the stadium and you'll root for us, and then when Dallas comes, you'll root against us. I, I would never understand that. You're from Arizona. Don't you want your own team? Now, uh, here's the here's their argument. Well, I grew up here, and there was never a team in Arizona. So they liked the Cowboys. They liked the Raiders. Okay, well, now you got a team. Get behind them. Uh, I see so much nonsense like that uh, in these stadiums. But the fans now are more educated, and then you can go to the, uh, the stadium where the Cardinals play, and you'll see a packed house, which is good win lose a draw or you see a packed house in there
0: and what about some of those iconic stadiums like lambeau field or soldier field uh, anything different about playing in those it
2: Is there's nothing different the field's the same distance same width uh but they're historical places to play and i was i was fortunate enough to play in in those type of uh arenas even the uh, old soldier field uh was one of those places even uh the old dallas stadium and i grew up in Virginia as a Dallas Cowboys fan. I didn't like Washington. I didn't like Pittsburgh. You know, as a kid we go play in different neighborhoods and we we're the Dallas Cowboys and on on this side of the uh, neighborhood. Uh so I've always liked the Dallas Cowboys. And so my first game there, I was looking up in the looking up at the stadium like, wow, this is where they play. And then you know, guys on my team say, don't go get in the autographs. We got a game to play. It was, it was it was funny. It was it was but those historical places Jason that you mentioned, uh Lambeau, uh Soldier Field, even the Kansas City Chiefs uh has some history there. Um, uh, but it, it's 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 just what it is. It's historical, it's some memory, some keepsakes that you would always have to say you played there if that's your professional.
0: so let's talk a little bit more about the Cowboys. You're mentioning of course playing in their stadium. Um, but I think it was in ninety nine you guys went down there to Dallas and took out one, a big time real tough Dallas Cowboys team. Yeah. It was um nineteen
2: ninety eight. We went down there. That was one of our best years. Nineteen ninety eight. We uh Went down to um, Texas to beat Dallas Cowboys, but the game I think the game that was most important was the one previous where we played the San Diego Chargers. Where, uh, you know, just offensively defense, it was a tough game against the Chargers, uh, but on all phases of the game we were playing hard. You could see it on guys' faces on the sideline. They were into the game. Now I've seen I've been in some games where you go to the sideline, guys talking about some other stuff and not football, which I thought was incredible. But we were into that game, and then we go out to Dallas and beat Dallas, and that was 1998. Um, And you think, okay, this organization is going the right way. Me personally, I was like, oh, we're going to destroy teams in 99. But then you come back, and uh, early in the segment, Jason, you mentioned the contracts and things like that. We lost a lot of guys. Uh, We didn't re-sign a lot of guys. Well, that's one of the reasons why I'm glad to see the Bidwells and organization – keep guys here now keep the right guys here not guys that's just hard and free agency but the guys that's perfect for their team that fits their fit still team the scheme the uh the, t- the type of people they are in the community i'm glad to see them doing that now just start, instead of signing guys
0: Right, obviously, you know the GM level. There's a lot of uh, a lot of emphasis is placed on the teams who can land the big time free agents like Philadelphia. But obviously, sometimes oh, keeping yeah. things together is the best way to go. As teams, you know, like New England uh, and Indianapolis, they've really tried to keep those cores in place. And right. That's why we've seen them be successful. Um, so, but going back to '98, that was kind of uh, like you mentioned. The team was really, you know, they were feeling themselves. You guys were doing really well. Um, and then in '99, you had the drop off. Is there anything that just flat out feels different when your team's playing well? Um, you know, is there anything? Can you kind of tell that things are going well versus things aren't going so well? Out yes,
2: there? everything we worked on in practice yeah. is starting to work in the games. You got to be able to transcend from practice field, from the classroom to the practice field, from the practice field to the stadium on Sunday, and that's when you feel things are going well with your team because they start clicking. And this happened week in and week out. Uh, a lot of times you, uh, you watch some of the Cardinals game where we'll win this week, then we we'll lose two games in a row, then we we'll come back and win, then we'll win, then we we'll lose another two games in a row. Well, something's not happening right, we're not bringing the intensity that we have uh, good practices and some, most times, great practices. We're not bringing that to the stadium. Uh, I think, and some guys put a lot of distractions in their lives uh, where they can't do that. You got to, it's football season, it lasts this long, concentrate on football. And that's one of the things we talked about earlier with the the uh conditioning and the contract situations. You take care of the contract stuff off the season. When you're dealing with football, let that be what it is.
0: Uh so what about during these games uh on the sideline? Uh first of all, just kinda of what's it like being out there on the sideline? What kind of stuff really goes on? And out there is there is it different, you know, when things are going well versus when things aren't going so well.
2: Oh, when it is when things are going well. You know, guys are laughing and joking, especially when you know you got a game out the reach. And I say that, teeth and teeth and tongue. But uh, when you know you got a game and you got to put it on the reach, guys, the atmosphere, the atmosphere is a lot better. The the camaraderie you had during the week, you can see it started overlapping, which is good. But when it's going bad, everybody's looking for, why did it go bad? Why did the offense do this? Or how he give up this touchdown on defense? And uh, the the good teams in this league. They do not do that. They don't point the finger when it's going bad. When they win, everybody won. When they lose, everybody loses. Those are the good teams that would happen. And you see a lot of things on the sideline, as you mentioned. Uh, you can see guys, if you're paying close attention, you can see guys using the restroom on the sideline. Uh, you, you can see guys eating hot dogs on the sideline. You see guys eating sunflower seeds on the sideline. But those teams, and most of that is in preseason. Right,
0: right. Uh, and you mentioned. You know, playing a lot against uh, some of these big-time teams and teams who are doing things right out there. What about for you personally? You played against a lot of legends, matched up against you know the Jerry Rice's of the world out there uh, at the quarterback position. Um, a, who were some of the toughest guys to face out there? Obviously, some guys we know about, and even some guys who we might not think so much about as really dominant players. And was there, what made them so good? Was there anything just different about uh, matching up against them?
2: I could tell you. Uh Exactly, who some of the tough guys and it started here in Arizona? You had guys like Frank Sanders, um, that was on my team that I had to practice against every week, Rob Moore, that was here that I had to practice against every week, Anthony Edwards, who didn't have these guys' ability, but Anthony Edwards, what he had was he had a will and a passion and desire to go out there and get it done. He studied film, uh, he played hard on every play, every play was his last play, uh, and that's what made Anthony Edwards great. If you go outside of the Arizona Cardinals, there, there's kind of it would be that third receiver that doesn't get that much film. But when he comes in, you know he's the go-to guy. I'll tell you, one of the toughest competitors I've ever played against will be Peyton Manning. I watched this guy orchestrate uh, fourth and four two times on the field when then Tony Dungy was trying to send the punt team in. He walk, he shoots them back, he waved his hand, get back, and he orchestrated two first downs out of those situations. I never thought one guy could make a difference in a team sport as Peyton Manning makes for the Indianapolis Colts.
0: And we've seen that certainly this year with uh, Peyton Manning not being able to play uh, for the Colts, um, and that team certainly looks to be in disarray. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about a lot of guys who you lined up with during practice, a lot of guys who were really tough out there uh, on the field during practice time. Uh, was there anybody who has flat-out scared you uh, as one of your teammates, just anybody who really kind of lost it out there on the field? Uh, who are You we hear about guys like Ray Lewis, kind of that premeditated craziness on yeah. the field. You ever play with any of those guys?
2: I think, everybody, <laughs> I think everybody that plays football, they're somewhat crazy. Especially if you're just playing special teams, you got to be crazy to do that. And I played special teams all the way through, but that was something I chose to do because I just, that's how I came into the league. I didn't get drafted, uh, and I watched guys get drafted in the first round that can't even play football. But you, you want to be that guy that contributes on your team all the way, and I thought I could do that through special teams and from the defense standpoint. Um, but the crazy, crazy guys – there's a handful of them on every team, but there's not a handful of Ray Lewis's on every team. Uh, so we didn't have too much craziness. We had guys that, you know, doing practice, they quiet, come game time. You're like, where's this guy getting all this noise from? Uh, we had those type of guys. So it wasn't too much craziness on teams I've been on.
0: Uh, what about guys uh, during practice? Uh, was there anything different about the real, you know, you talked about a guy like Peyton Manning, mm-hmm. and what we hear about a lot is the way he is off the field also, how he's always studying film. You mentioned guys like that. Um, the great players out there, is there something they do differently during practice uh, or during, you know, film study that just sets them apart there?
2: Uh, definitely through film study. These guys are in film all day long, all week. Uh, when I was in San Diego, the guys like uh, Drew Brees and Antonio Gates, those guys, LaDainian Tomlin. I watched LaDainian never play a preseason game. In the first game of the season, he goes for 120, 150 yards. And But this comes from field study and knowing where he's supposed to be on that offense during game time. Uh, those are the type of guys like Peyton Manning. We mentioned Tom Brady, um, Jake, uh, Jake the Snake, uh, Plumber. You know, a lot of guys give him a lot of flight. But Jake, I've hung with him outside of the fo- football field, and he's a passionate guy, and all he talks about, is I gotta win this game, next game, or we gotta win this next game? And it's always on his mind. Uh, but there's a lot of guys that set. What sets them apart is their film study and their who they are as a person, their character, um, how they approach people. Because uh, you can see guys. You don't hear about them getting DUIs. You don't hear about any domestic violence. You don't hear about any nonsense from these guys. And you wonder why they're successful in this league.
0: Uh, very interesting points there uh, so now we gotta take a break um, we'll be back with a fourth and final segment where I think we're going to look at some predictions for the current NFL season uh, once again I'm Jason Jessler joining me is Kwame Lassiter be sure to keep it right here on Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kid
3: Find out what's happening on the Voice America talk radio network by keeping up with us on Twitter you can find us at Voice America TRN the
1: Tune in to Take 2 every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Kids channel. There is so much going on in the tech field. The technology show is here to sort it all out so that you know exactly what you need to get and what you should avoid. In this age of cell phones and text messaging and new discoveries every single day, you need to be informed. We'll bring you previews of new products, technology news, and help you make the right decision when you are out there buying that new MP3 player, cell phone, or mobile device. Don't do it thing until you've tuned in to The Technology Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Kids. What are some of the issues that kids face every day? You'll find out when you tune into the appropriately named Today's Kids. Your hosts are here to open the doors to a forum of all kinds of issues. Nothing is off the table here, and because it's on the Voice America Kids channel, you know you're getting a kid's perspective. Tune in every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for Today's Kids. Your hosts will lead this form of engaging conversation on Voice America Kids.
3: Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? You're
1: tuned in to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids.
0: Now, back into the action. Thank you, and welcome back to Speaking of Sports. I'm Jason Jessler, and joining me today is a very special guest, Kwame Lassiter, a 10-year NFL veteran and now a member of the NFL Alumni Association. Uh, we've covered a lot of stuff from the lockout to frankly, just what playing the game is like, some of the on-the-field stuff, uh, to some of your greatest matchups. Uh, now we're going to look at what's coming up here in Week 3 in the NFL, some of these primetime matchups, these premier games going on next week in the NFL, and we'll start off with one of the early games, uh, battle of two undefeated teams, two teams at 2-0 in the AFC East. Uh, we have the New England Patriots, who I'm sure most people are probably picking to be 2-0, uh, taking on the Buffalo Bills, who have really looked just as dominant as the Patriots, also at 2-0, and I don't think anyone was really predicting that uh do you think the bills are at all for real and do you think they can compete in this matchup or uh, is New England gonna roll
2: I think the bills are for real I, I was I was good to see I like to see that they didn't go off their quarterback when Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick was playing well last season um they are a for real team they won on a the road. they were able to come back against the Oakland team who had momentum most of that game a high percentage of that game but now we're talking about the New England Patriots now you're talking about Tom Brady who can you think of anybody over that team other than Tom Brady that, you can say, is a household name? He, This guy knows how to win. He and Bill Belichick know how to win. Uh, so I, I'm not going to bet against the uh, New England Patriots, especially if you're playing against the Buffalo Bills. Because in your mind, you're thinking, like, it's Buffalo Bills. But these guys are for real. This is just going to be a tough battle against the New England Patriots team who, who arguably could be in the Super Bowl this year.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, and the Patriots, with Coach Bill Belichick, like you mentioned, they're not a team who really underestimates teams very much. They're always out there looking to play their best, and especially with the division rivalry, exactly. I just don't see them underestimating Buffalo. Uh, another big-time game, once again, the AFC East, at least partially, you have the New York Jets uh, taking on the Oakland Raiders. Uh, the Raiders last year kind of ran through that AFC West. The Jets, uh, once again, winning the wild card. Uh, the Jets are 2-0. The Raiders are 1-1. Uh, kind of similar playing styles, and they're going at an oakland which i know you talked about as being a tough place to play your thoughts
2: it is a tough place to play in oakland also you better have on your uh sh- under your shoulder pad some vests but they they are that is a pretty good um uh, matchup right there the new york jets heading out west oakland beat everyone in the afc west last year won that division um my thing with the new york jets if, if brian Schottenham will let uh mark sanchez go that would be a better team you can't control this guy and he's going into his third year you got to start letting him go. Let him do a lot of things offensively that he should be doing as a quarterback. Um, but the Jets still have a team and coached um, uh, the coach, the head coach puts a lot of pressure on that defense that I wish he would put on that offense or get rid of Brian Schottenheimer. But I'm gonna have to go with the um, Oakland Raiders on that one.
0: I'm picking the upset there. What do you like out of the Raiders uh, so far this year?
2: I like what they did last year, and they didn't. It wasn't let down when they came back and played uh, this year when the season started. But they have a running game now. These guys have a running game. They did a lot of things defensively. Um, that's why they were able to let go awesome. Awesome more. They did a lot of def- things defensively where they can compete with teams. Now they just have to finish uh, football games, and you can't give Jason Campbell the excuse anymore. Uh, which I've given him that he had five offensive coordinator in his six or seven years. Now he has the same guy. Um, and then, you know, they added Rob Wilson as a defensive back coach over there. So things, in, things are changing over there in the Oakland, especially the mentality of football. You got to change the mentality before you can change everything else and get the right people in there. And I think they're doing that through free agency in the draft.
0: Yeah, Rod Woodson definitely knows a thing or two about defensive yeah, oh, back absolutely. and winning football games. Um, might be showing some bias here. I am a Jets fan, but I'm going with the uh, I'm going with New York on this one personally. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, with Sanchez, when he gets that free reign, he's been pretty successful with it. Uh, obviously, sometimes he doesn't look so good, but other times uh, he's shown he has what it takes. I I look for a big game from Sanchez this time, uh, picking on some of those Raiders defensive backs.
2: And one more thing before we go into the next game is uh the the thing about sanchez is he starts too late and that's not his fault that's the uh, officer coordinator's fault so when you want him to make plays down the down the game then stretch of a the game that he doesn't have that rhythm or that that confidence to do so so a lot of things are the coach's well, I won't say a lot of things some of the things in that incident is the coach's fault
0: uh, another big time game. That was a big time de- defensive game, Jets and Oakland. Uh, more of an offensive one going on in New Orleans. Houston Texans uh, saying it 2 0, maybe looking to win the AFC South for the first time ever. Taking on the New Orleans Saints, who I know a lot of people have going to the Super Bowl this year. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Two big time offenses, certainly.
2: You know what? Here's the deal Peyton Manning is out, so the Houston Texans have so, such a great confidence level that they're going to win that, that area, that AFC North. Um, but they're not going to have enough for the New England Patriots. I'm almost scared to bet against Drew Brees. Drew Brees, you talk about one of the great quarterbacks. You talk about Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. You talk about Phillip Rivers. You got to throw Drew Brees in there. This guy knows how to win football games. The first game of the season he lost, they lost to the New England Patriots. i mean, sorry, to the Super Bowl champs, uh, Green Bay Packers. But you look at Drew Brees' number, it wasn't anything he did. He Those guys dropped a lot of balls. He had them in the uh, final seconds with a chance to win the football game. I think... What they did with Darren Sproles, bringing him in, and you, you never even think about a Reggie Bush who was out two years ago anyway. Right. What they do as a staff and organization is always the right thing. So, and Drew Brees is one of those leaders that you, you really don't want to bet against. Um, I, I think they have handled the Houston. I think they'll win the game. I won't say they're handling them pretty well, but I think they'll win the game.
0: Yeah, Breeze and New Orleans, uh, when they play at home, there's just something different out there. It's tough. I-, I think a lot of this one rests on uh, Arian Foster and his hamstring, the Texans running back, mm-hmm. uh, a guy who you know had the big year last year, but once again, the hamstring problems, we talked about it a bit, they linger.
2: I, I wouldn't put too much on that running game. Arian Foster's still your workhorse, but you got Ben Tate over there. Look right. at the receiver core. It's Matt Schaub has to be the leader of that. Like, like we talk about, Drew Brees, Matt Charles needs to step up and be the face of that team, which he is, but you got the, you got a good receiving core over there. you got a good defense over there uh, that can win you those games, but I think it's going to be tough to get done in New Orleans.
0: Definitely a tough place to play, and I, I agree with you. I'm picking New Orleans on that one. Another big-time matchup this Sunday, New York Giants taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Mike Vick a little bit banged up. Does seem like he's going to start. Uh, of course, last time those teams played, even though the Eagles pulled out the surprising win, uh, Vick did take a bit of a beating. Uh, what do you see going on in this one?
2: Well, Coughlin doesn't lose a lot of games back-to-back, and it's going to be tough in New York. If, if Michael Vick was playing, even though they have uh, Vincent over there, He's not Michael Vick. If Michael Vick was playing, I would still give this game because they have a lot of weapons over there and the Sean McCoy, uh, Deshaun Jackson, uh, Macklin. They have the guys over there that can get it done. Um, that's if you're just throwing screens and hitch passes and, and that thing that you can defend easily with a cover two or cover two man. But I'm going to have to give this one. If Michael Vick's out of this game, I'm the Giants
0: yeah again it's kind of a kind of the classic matchup of defense versus offense you're looking at the Giants known for that pass rush uh and anyway, you kind of struggle sometimes on the offensive end whereas the Eagles are the big flashy offense but some questions to defensively
2: oh yeah and on the other side of that uh Eli Manning wants to be Tom Brady then he has to prove he has to win these type of game in his dif- in his conference he got to win these divisional games uh and we saw that um Last week when the Cardinals lost, St. Louis lost, San Francisco lost, you can win those games. You you win two games over these guys.
0: Right, especially when it looks like yeah, you might only need seven wins yeah. in oh, that absolutely. NFC West. Every <laughs> game really days. counts.
2: Everyone lost in that division. Seattle got smashed by Pittsburgh. Dallas beat San Francisco. And somehow, mysteriously, the Cardinals lost to the Washington Redskins.
0: Uh so speaking of the Redskins uh, and the Cowboys were also in there. That is our Monday night matchup for S1 Washington going to Dallas. Uh Washington is surprising 2-0 with Rex Grossman who thought he was even still in football uh, <laughs> at the helm of that team taking on Tony Romo who's getting a lot of credit this uh this week after his gutsy performance last week uh playing through some injury uh, who pulls out this one.
2: I'm going to have to go to Dallas Cowboys. I'm I'm not a Tony Romo fan, but what he did last week is uh I give that guy two thumbs up. A lot of guys like to get hurt and they can't play anymore. So when they do get hurt, they find a reason to shut it down. Tony Romo came back out, thought he had broken ribs, actually had one broken rib and a puncture long. This guy came out and threw a 60-yard pass to put the Dallas Cowboys and his team into position to win that football game on the road in San Francisco. Rex Grossman is doing what he's, he's doing is – not losing football games, and that's Mike Shanahan off as stretch play left, stretch play right to the running back Tim Hightower. Uh, but I'm gonna get this one to the Dallas Cowboys.
0: Uh, so you think either of those teams are for real uh, as far as playoff contenders?
2: I think they are, and that, um, I, I like to see the Philadelphia Eagles come out of there, and that's who I had uh before in before the season started was the Eagles winning that, um, and then being that playoff team coming out of that division, uh, but the um. Dallas Cowboys has enough. They bring. They're getting uh, Canny back for the safe. Oh, I'm sorry, the defensive back, uh, back from a hamstring or foot injury, uh, so they have enough weapons over there to be in the playoffs.
0: Oh, yeah, and uh, I agree with your pick on that one too. Uh, the Cowboys and Tony Romo, especially, he's a guy who kind of comes and he goes. Mm-hmm. But when he's on, he's usually on for a handful of weeks, not yes. just one at a time.
2: And Kitten is not a bad backup quarterback.
0: Yeah, Kitten has done some good things for him over the past yes. couple of years uh, when Romo hasn't been able to play through some of those yes. injuries. All right, well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, once again, we had Kwame Laster on as our special guest. Thanks again for joining us. Um, so that's going to be it. Uh, be sure to tune in next time. I'm Jason Chesler. This has been Speaking of Sports. Keep it right here on Voice America Kids. Thanks
1: again for listening to Speaking of Sports on the Voice America Kids channel. Make sure you come on back next week for another great show.